0: Inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway, this is the Jake Feinberg Show. Coming to you on Power Talk, thank you so much for making us part of your day today. Aspiration in its simplest definition is a lovely flame climbing heavenward. True aspiration can and does make us feel that if God is for us, who can eventually stand against us? We feel a desire to have God on our side, but we need the aspiration to throw ourselves on God's side. The sun is the only remedy for dark clouds in the sky. Similarly, there is no other medicine than aspiration for our troubled hearts. Aspiration is the first rung of the sky-kissing ladder. Realization is the last. True human aspiration has three intimate friends, purification, quietude, and intensity. Aspiration has an enemy called impatience. Aspiration is the mounting flame of our divine wish to raise ourselves to the crest and crowning of divine perfection. The body aspires through action. The vital aspires through struggles. The mind aspires through self-search. The heart aspires through the feeling of union. The soul aspires through the perfection of God's manifestation. Taylor Rose, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you. Wow. That was, that's not me. That, that was, that, that's from um, uh, Sri Chimnoy, uh, the great uh, teacher. Um, I don't want to take credit for that. Um,
1: so beautiful.
0: Um, so, Taylor, it's such an honor to have you back on the program. I, I wanted you to talk about um, impatience and how you have learned over this last year, to get out of your own way.
2: Hmm.
1: I love. I love that the word is impatience because my words for for twenty twenty one is is deep connection and patience.
0: Wow! Look at that. We're channeling already. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true because I. I mean, it's a. It's one of my habitual natures and uh, something that I still uh, struggle with. But I think that because you just want to you want to believe so badly that you're you're on this path and you have this purpose and then sometimes things just don't move or they don't go as fast as you want or you're let down by something i guess impatience coupled with expectations are are really a hang-up and i that's why i've tried to approach everything and i feel that about you too um you know it's just it's about intention like it's there are no expectations for anything it's only about intention and when you approach it like that um then you can allow you then you can become a conduit for information coming through you from the heavens so anyway i want it's just it's just yeah yeah, break break it break it down i mean you wrote to me well first of all you uh, anyway we can get to that later but um Tell me about what has changed in your life so much, and then how you've learned to deal and get out of your own way so that impatience becomes patience
1: I think I think the biggest thing is um, having this grasp to want to know it all, but we live we live in a world where where we'll never know it all the the more we know, the greater our, our our horizon of ignorance, right? That's right. And so this this idea of patience comes in with with it's it's a daily process. Every day, every day, I have to wake up and and take my next my next steps forward and 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 do the work. I think the work, this this soul path, this journey of getting to know myself, is peeling back layer by layer by layer by layer, and, and the more patience, the more space that I give myself to just fully unravel in the journey, um, the, the sweeter it gets. I, I started my yoga journey in, in 2007, and I didn't take a teacher training to teach yoga until 2015. And now I'm six years on my teaching journal, on my teaching journey, and And I'm just starting to feel like I have found my voice, and i'm and I'm claiming my power and my position in the world. But it took all of the hours of daily practice and years of of sitting with teachers and of journaling and meditating and and really walking my talk. To get to this point. And now I just feel like I've manifested my wildest dream. I, I went from entering into the pandemic and losing all of my jobs, all of the yoga studios that I taught closed, And I went into a, the pandemic and flipped my business to be an online offering pretty much overnight. And in the last year, I... I bought a home and I built my own yoga studio and I no longer have to rely on, on um, a container that, that has been created outside of myself to, to offer my whole heart to the world. I, I can do it under my own terms and my own stipulations now and it feels amazing.
0: That is so inspiring. I mean, can you talk about... Um... One specific thing that maybe well, what's so cool is that, um you know, like it's so exciting to um, you know, just to find your own voice. I mean, there's so many people that that um, are very authentic teachers of of mindful meditation and yoga and all types of different strata in that on that frequency but there's also a lot of charlatans and there's just it just can get really clogged up and messy and um and then you're you wind Mm -hmm. up projecting or competing or someone else is creating drama that's bringing you down i i i would say that um in some ways um has the pandemic helped lower the drama needle for you uh and really allowed you to hone in on you know, practice, because I mean, in, in some ways, um, as debilitating as this pandemic has been, and how awful it's been and tragic, I mean, you don't have a lot of noise or distractions, because you're just, we're not in these communal settings, like you said, you would have, you know, before the pandemic, you had studios that you would pay, you know, to or you would teach at these studios, but you know, there's always there was always a lot of noise and and I just feel like mm-hmm. uh have you been able to unclutter yourself because we have become so separated in this time.
1: Yeah, I feel like I had to move through a really dramatic period in order to get to the other side. Um Can you talk, can you talk about
0: what was what was dramatic what was dramatic? Yeah.
1: yeah. I uh I was I was taken advantage of pretty um, pretty largely by by white women in yoga um, by yoga studio owners even by um, yoga teachers and at the beginning of the pandemic I actually had to leave a community that I was a part of for for four years because I had I mean it I had been indoctrinated into a cult, and my leader was a narcissist. My and
0: God, this is absolutely was, unbelievable.
1: And it was more of a power over than a power with, and this was all unfolding. Um, you know, this was all unfolding during the BML, start of the BML movement, and it was just really watching how white supremacy and and the, the greater patriarchy was was affecting my small yoga world, and how I was operating and learning within a system that was built, um, I guess on, on false pretenses, not on, not on the sacred structure or, or, or principles of what I believe yoga is union, um, integrity. And so it was really, it was really painful. I, I had to walk away from, from a community that I loved, from a teacher that I loved and I had to forge my own path. And, um, Believing that drama, I mean, I, I I fell out of love with yoga for a little bit. Mm. It was really hard to come to my mat. It was really hard mm. to do my spiritual practices for a while. Um, and then I had to go back to the text. I had to go back to, to the words that I love so much and, and to the places that, that I felt home. And slowly I, I came back to my practice. And now I, I would say that it is... Bigger and stronger than it ever has been. I mean, I meditate day and night. I, I have a two-hour personal practice that I do every day. I, I I chant and I sing every day. I I do the things now that keep my my light really bright.
0: And that is what I see. And I mean, right? You are glowing right now. It's unbelievable to see you. And I mean, it's not just. I I think it's important if you can. Talk a little bit about why you lost faith in your community I think that it's, it is it is, You know you have You, you, you came in because yoga um, I mean how much dogma did you have to deal with growing up Not that anybody was bad in your life But the fact is that for so long you're I listened back to the first four minutes of our interview uh, Last night just before I went to bed and you said that, um, you know, you were you were told your whole life that your native gift, your true nature was not usable, not functional, and something that you should not be cultivating growing up. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's been constantly like, no, Taylor Rose, you need to go this way, or you need to believe this, or you need to do that. And then you start out on your yoga journey in a completely street scholar fashion and you recognize what feels good and what feels like the truth. And then you get into teacher, you know, whatever training you need credentials. And then after a while you wind up in a cult, but yet, Mm -hmm. you know, you still love the people in that cult. You still have, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like a traumatic, I mean, it was traumatic to leave, but can you talk about this white supremacy that exists within and and just how on and how and how it's not even really even understood because it's just ingrained into our psyche I mean it's 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 a strange and I think it just I mean a lot of people will preach from the ivory tower about how tolerant they are or how accepting they are or how they believe in all this stuff but when it comes down to it they're really just like everybody else. Yeah,
2: it's
1: a it's a power over versus power with. I think it's a scarcity mentality versus right. coming from in a place of abundance. We live in an abundant universe, and and I think this this white supremacy in the way that I in the way that I've experienced it is you're you're too sensitive. You're too much. Right. You're overreacting. You need to simmer down. You need to be a good girl. You you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to accomplish X, Y, and Z, um, right? You yeah, have to do these things absolutely. in order to do <laughs> And so in in my training it was you you need to teach just like me. You're you're not gonna be a perfect teacher unless you know how to do it just like me and you need more mentorship and you'll make an impact in the world once you've had more mentorship than, and it wasn't, let's find, let's find what your gift is. Let's find what your specific offering is. Let's highlight that and shine that into the world. It was just, you're never enough and you're never going to do it well enough. And you're going to have to stay here and continue to be mentored until you're perfect. And I'm not really signing up to be to be perfect. I've I've spent my whole life trying to unravel from that title and from that label. We we are perfectly imperfect just the way we are. We are we are flawed and 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 hopefully we can we can see both of our assets and our and our liabilities as our gifts.
0: Can you talk about this uh how much um is is uh, is that need for because I mean, like Miles Davis would say, you know, you don't know if it's a wrong note until the next note you play. I mean, there are no wrong notes in music and imperfection is perfection. In fact, if you make a clam on stage or make a mistake and, and you're in a band of really got, of people that have huge ears and listeners, I mean, that can be a gateway to completely new musical vocabulary. So when they're stifling your own individual voice they're obviously threatened by your individuality and your sort of charisma chutzpah. I mean, it is, I can feel that you are just beyond you have really broken away from, you know, whatever dogma, which obviously exists within, I mean, was it shocking to, did that just start, did they, were they always sort of telling you that you need to, um, you know that there was a formula trip to teaching or was it just sort of and you had enough of it at a certain point or did it just come on like once you started to sort of become more assertive in your own in your own life force and and true nature
1: you know there was there's a lot of of weird red flags that that came up and and they came up out of I mean really I, I had a nightmare I had a nightmare at last February and and dreamt all of these awful things. and and I woke up out of my nightmare and I wanted to ask you know a person in the community if it was true, if the things I dreamt has were true, but I was too scared. So then I just continued continued to observe from the outside looking in and and watched all of these red flags pop up and watched all of these ways that that I was being used and abused and manipulated. and I was working basically for free, but under the guise that that I was, you know <laughs> that I was being mentored and, and I was um, gonna be bolstered in the yoga community and this was gonna this was gonna help me break out and make a name for myself and, and attract, you know, um, a community that could use my love and support. Like it was it was all under this guise that that I was being really well cared for and, and my best interests were were always looking we're always being looked out after. And I think I entered the program from a pretty wounded place. I, I had just, you know, gotten out of my, uh, my tailspin of an eating disorder and for the majority of my life. It was the first time that I was like, really on a heavy path to recovery. And, and I entered into this community from a wounded place. And, and I felt like they kept me wounded so that I could never leave. That's
0: that so I would always
1: have to go back to feel filled.
0: Are you saying you had a dream, a premonition, a, pr- a prophecy kind of dream? For sure. And, and it's so funny because before you
1: reached out for the second interview, mm-hmm. the day before, I knew you were going to reach out and we were going to have another conversation. I was like, oh, Jake, I haven't talked to him in a year. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's the way I've been operating. But, I mean, uh, what's really funny so, is... No, I mean, I mean, but... but yeah. <laughs> you know what it is like? It is... Um, you know, you were you were coming out of one tailspin and healing yourself and you, and I, I guess maybe the point, I just would, I'd like you to free associate because, you know, like you, you dropped that situation like a bad habit and you're obviously doing some beautiful self-cultivation and self-healing and, you know, to come out glowing like you are. I mean, I don't know when we're going to really get back to normal. I'm not sure if there will ever be what we knew is normal, but you... Have freed yourself, you you have become unshackled from the bondage of dogma And I just like, I just want you to talk to people out there Who might listen to this well after we've left the planet About, you know, ultimately Is it really necessary to have, I mean, what it sounds like to me is Because of the fact that you started your yoga journey on your own path for six years um, It allowed you the independence To try to, to use your individual voice And when somebody said Oh no, 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 no that, that You need to follow another There's a formula trip Because you had that experience You knew that that was a bunch of BS And I just wanted you to talk to people Who have the native gifts Of being able to teach mindful meditation And also practice it and chant and devote themselves in a very sincere fashion um, What would be your advice to them About actually how far do you go uh, Within mainstream yoga Do you need to get a certification How important is it to get wrapped up In the McDonaldization of yoga Well
1: I would say that I have absolutely no regrets on my path. And I believe that everything unfolded exactly the way that it was supposed to. The people that came into my life and the teachers that came into my life were all there to serve their purpose. I needed all of them. I needed all of the experiences to make me who I am. And I think that the biggest thing is there's a place deep inside of us that is un gazed by, by the constant fluctuations of our mind and the constant turnings of the external world. And if you can continuously anchor into that place, you will always know what your next step is. My life and the archetype of who I am is different than everybody else. And so I don't think there is any one way to do anything. And I think each individual seeker has to, has to walk their own path but they don't have to listen to the noise the chatter the drama of the external world to find their path they have to source it from within
0: a lot of times people will go through their education or they'll be mentored in a good way on the bandstand or I mean whatever they'll they'll musically they're they're younger so they're under the leadership of somebody and they learn they don't necessarily learn the effective qualities of leadership and things like that or teaching, but they learn what not to do. And I Mm -hmm. guess once you, (laughs) you know, once you, once you, as you continue to grow and like manifest your, your your purpose and your, you know, like the Taylor Rose, I mean, the, the, just the, this, this, this curriculum, not even curriculum, but I mean, just like this, community that you will eventually build in your life and in the chapters that you that you continue to write I mean what have you learned that you will not do when you may be in a position where one day you are the one that has that ability to be a a quote-unquote mentor how will you um, what did you learn not to do so that cats will not be walking away saying my god I was just brainwashed for four years.
1: Well, it's not just just necessarily learned from this one teacher, this one example. Sure. But we're not special. I mean, we are all divine, and we are all special. And we're not special. Like, I, I am no greater. I'm not more special than anyone else on this planet. I'm no special than any other living than living creature. We're all made of the same material. We're all different manifestations of the same form. And so I think the biggest thing is like to see, to see our humanness. They say that there's two ways to, to reflect the light, right? The first one is to be the candle flame and the other, the other way is to be the mirror that shines it out, to, that, that shows other people their own light. And I, and I think that's going to be the thing that I hold with me forever is to always be able to look someone else in the eyes and see their humanness, and to see their gift, and to see to see their light. And mine's not any brighter than theirs. It's the same.
0: So, what that 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 brings up the word ego. Um, do you you believe that ego? I mean, it, maybe it's pretty self evident, but um, how have you learned to Taylor Rose? How have you learned to take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself? That seriously, because you know what it is. The reason you're glowing is because you're like radiating. Happy, you're you're happy. You're smiling. You're ha- you are happy, and so like a Buddha, you are like a very, and a lot of people are. You know, they are very. They don't want to be vulnerable, and they their ego is invested in who they are. So how have you learned, or and how would you, and what would you talk to the to the vanity of it all because there's so much vanity you know how do you how have you learned to take what you do seriously but don't take yourself that seriously
1: yeah i think always knowing what my why is why why do i do this work in the world why why do i wake up every morning and and want to study yoga i i, I think ultimately remembering my why keeps my ego in check and don't get me wrong like i i think it's good to have a healthy ego we don't want to touch the hot stove twice right so mm. these people that are like your ego is not your amigo actually we need an ego we need, sure <laughs> that's
2: true
1: we need that thing but but i think we keep it in check and and i think the way i keep it in check is remembering who i am and where i came from i i am an embodied human form of the divine, and it's not me, Taylor Rose, that wants to share yoga with the world. It's the divine being inside of me that wants to share yoga with the world, and so if I can just, again, like anchor into that quiet place of truth, it's almost like I don't have to talk anymore. It just comes out. When I'm in that really solid place of teaching my classes, it's no longer my words. It's the words that want
0: to come through. And you recognize that, uh, I mean, you, you realize that then, then you can be a vessel for stuff coming through you from the heavens, which it's, is really so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I know what that feels, for, for the first few years of my program, um, you know, I felt, I was so hyped up about attaining these interviews and doing what I thought was and has turned out to be um, prescient uh, stuff Well before it really hit the fan Quote unquote um, And I was trying to I could never explain it to people That were closest to me In the way that I wanted to And I would get frustrated by it And I was also learning to find my voice But then After a, a period of years And you know Just sort of climbing the mountain myself All of that kind of fell away Because I didn't I, I was secure in In what I was doing And yet Yeah, you need to have an ego, you need to have some, you know, audacity to to take some chances and to reach out and be vulnerable. But yeah, there's some kind of anchor and groundedness that when you are able to, and it's not a materialistic thing. I mean, that's the other part of it is how much are are we struggling as a society, Taylor Rose, with the fact that, I mean... Well, I mean, I mean, like, like, I am not. I'm doing my taxes right now. I like, I'm not a, a rich man, like monetarily, but like, I'm able, I'm able to support my my daughters. I love them, and I'm able to pay the bills. And I'm, you know, I mean, no, I mean, I've been able to save a little bit, but like, none of my work, none of my value is based on materialism, and I, I just, I feel. And I don't even know what I—I what, I am so far from that reality, and yet I realize that so many people be, are are attaching their self worth or ego to fame, prestige, their career, and, and, and the money and, and, they make, and yeah. taking themselves, yeah. taking not just taking taking what they do seriously, but then taking themselves so seriously. That's what happened to you in this cult. Is that? They might have been great teachers, but then they said, oh, no, no, I, I'm so important that there's just only my way of doing it. Anything else is not mm-hmm. acceptable. It seems mm-hmm. to me to be that is analogous to what's happening in our in our civilization right now. How, how do we wean? Isn't it wild? <laughs> um, That's one word for it. I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, I just, I, I wonder how many people recently have come to you since your revelation and 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 you know newfound truths um, how many people are coming to you and having and trying to work with you about and trying to get hang up their hang-ups as it relates to self-worth through commodification
1: yeah I mean I I teach a very interesting population of people so that's not really the specific topic that people come to me with, my students, it's really interesting. I never like pinned myself in the world to be this kind of of teacher or healer, but a lot of my um, private clients that I work with come to me by way of really big life transitions, like going through heart surgery and is scared, or lying on their deathbed and wants to have a good ending to their life, Mm. or high school students transitioning into college, girls trans- transitioning out of eating disorder treatments. Like, all of the people that I work with, not all, the majority, um, have come to me because they want someone to, to help them hold space for the major feelings that they're feeling. They, they want someone to help them reattune their nervous system to come out of a fight, flight, or freeze and, and back into homeostasis so that they can take a deep breath, so that they can see the light again, so they can feel feel joy in their lives. Um, which is really heavy for me some days because I'm always holding on to really big, important life moments.
0: How does that... F- I mean, what, what does that mean? To, in, in the archetype that you are, how does that... Uh, like someone that holds space for people that are dealing with transcending the cycle of birth and death, reincarnation, um, what kind of things um, without, how do you get below the surface with them? And how do you, How do? How do, how do, how do, how do I mean, it's, it's more than just holding space because it, I don't want to, I, I, I come to Taylor Rose for enlightenment. Um, Not for you to hold space for me I want Like you make me um, Everything's just very clear And I want to know what you think And so I How do you get deeper with these cats um, On something as heavy as I mean Yeah Like the next life
1: I think it's because I I have a joyful disposition Like I I I carry the seed of joy Um, and I think that's what allows us to break in and dive deep into it. Mm -hmm. The work is asking them to really, to really like touch into those places that they're afraid of. And, and how do we, how do we shine, shine light in the dark spaces of our world? And I think because the world does feel so heavy and so dark right now, I think people are reaching out because, because they want, they want to feel that sense of, of lightness and joy. But I think it also, um... That's not all that I am, and I think that's where it gets hard, is because so often people p- people pin me as that, and they forget that I've had to traverse my own darkness.
0: Absolutely. In,
1: in order in order to be this seed of joy, like I have had to really go to the places that scare me, and I've um, <laughs> I've I've had to do a lot of work with a therapist to to and yoga, and you know, and all of the tools. To
0: Get to the place that I'm in? Well, first of all, I mean, like, I am, I just want to say that I am so proud of you. Um, for I'm so mm-hmm. humbled to know you, uh, and because, um, you know, we all, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's funny when I started my show, um, I was immediate within a couple of years because I was interviewing a lot of uh, black musicians and I was talking about the cultural bias that exists not just in this country, but in the world. Some people call that racism. And immediately it was, oh, he's a jazz journalist. He, he's a, he, he interviews jazz musicians. And, and, and I was like, okay, I don't want to be pigeonholed like that, so let me go after Ted Nugent. Let me go after David – let me go after bluegrass musicians and rock musicians and folk musicians and world musicians, and then nobody can stereotype me or pigeonhole me. And I wonder about the different strata – so people come to you with certain things but when you talk about um there's more there's more to me than just that how as a teacher um how are you diversifying yourself not a portfolio but like how are you diversifying your point of view and your artistry within your craft so that you cannot you won't be pigeonholed
1: Yeah so I try to bring I try to bring the deeper the deeper meaning of yoga to the practice. And I think a lot of Western yoga has gotten a little bit not a little bit yeah. a lot um fitness based. They've lost they've lost the spiritual significance. It's really washed washed down or completely washed away. And so for me, I try I try to bring the Hindu mythology, I try to bring the stories to lie to you know to a To a live feeling in my class and these stories um (laughs) they're not light they're there's a lot of darkness it's demons it's death it's destruction it's heavy material but i try to bring it to my class um as a way of storytelling as a way of of pulling out these deeper spiritual questions that will really help guide people through their lives like oh i'm not actually here you know to do yoga for a, a physical practice but i'm actually here to put myself in the seat of challenge and then pay attention to my inner world what happens when i've been in a pose for 2 minutes and my thigh is burning and and my nervous system is, is all shooken up and i want to run away and i'm distracting myself with the thoughts of my mind like how how do i come back to this place of of, of why am I here? I'm here to build strength. I'm here to, to build fortitude so that when I step out into the challenging world, I've got this anchor of my breath. I, I know my power deep down inside. I can do anything. It's bringing, it's bringing union back, back into the world, back into the practice.
0: Talking to Taylor Rose on the Jake Feinberg show and, uh, She apparently had a premonition that we were going to have another conversation, but um, we have a game on this program called Name That Voice. I don't expect you to know who this is, but this is why I knew that we were going to have a second conversation. So take a listen and we'll come back.
3: Oh, well, we had, you know, we had read, you know, Ginsburg's Yahi letters and you know, out at sucks. and so we were excited by this drug, you know, we had read about it, and we were looking forward to the day we would finally come across it, you know, and, and then, uh, one time, uh, we, uh, we got, uh, some acid, early days of the Jefferson airplane, I remember, and, uh, first day I took it, I had a fantastic time, I, you know, I remember the, uh, Bill Thompson was, uh, with me, and, you'd take it and have one guy straight, you know, in case you went crazy or something. Right, right. You know, so, you know, he was my straight man. I was He took it first. I was his straight man. he I don't know if he enjoyed it as much as I did, but I took it. I had a great time, you know, and uh, he was my straight man. In fact, we went roaming up in the hills of Haight-Ashbury in the early morning hours, and it was raining, and it looked like, you know, raindrops were turning into colored splashes, <laughs> Like Walt Disney. And, you know, out of somewhere came this black guy who tried to rob us with his knife, you know, and he was shoving it in my face, and I was going, Ooh, what a beautiful knife. (laughs) Oh, you're so pretty. And pretty soon I eventually had my arms around the guy, and, you know. Right. The guy was saying, hey, you got to take this mother to the hospital. He's crazy, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, right. and he left us alone, you know, but I was, I was like, uh, oh, the, the, I remember the knife was sparkling like the sword of Excalibur or something to me, you know. Uh,
0: Taylor Rose, that was um, an interview I did with the, uh, the late great singer from Jefferson Airplane, Marty Ballin. And, um Incredible. <laughs> and And you know what was funny, Taylor Rose is that you entered my consciousness again because i i have um Actually, I couldn't believe that our first interview was during the pandemic. That's how long the pandemic's been going on, which is incredible. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the last few years I've dedicated my show to, again, diversification, not being pigeonholed. And I had to go after the merry pranksters and guys that and women that were basically, um, you know, coming up at a time when LSD was being made in laboratories all over the world and it was legal and... Um, and so, I, I mean, I wrote a book on it, and, uh, and, and 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 basically I put up one of the excerpts from it, and I saw you commented. You said something like, can the person in the back of the room get a microphone? And I was like, well, my God, where – I mean, like, I, I just was like I, – I, I was like, there she is again, you know? And I, and I wanted to know about your um, – because here's the thing, nothing – there's nothing that authority – or people in perceived positions of authority hate worse than somebody who's on psychedelics psilocybin ayahuasca whatever it is i mean everything is so like he was talking about he he in in a real life situation someone put, pulls a knife on you it's a very scary thing and he's just like trying to hug the guy you know and <laughs> I, you know and it breaks down all this vanity and morality and then you can ultimately sit in the mess and I just wonder about um if you could talk a little bit about how you've um ta- uh experienced psychedelics. Anticipated. <laughs> yeah, well because I think that you I mean <laughs> that's part of being able to and that's when I knew we would we would we would connect again because I said, you know, part of your one reason you're you're mentally strong right now, you're so strong because somehow you've um you know, you've, you've been able to sit in the mess and a lot of times outside of your daily practice and cultivation, psychedelics can do that to you. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how that's, um, you know, impacted your multidimensional self.
1: I like to call drugs high-grade fire. <laughs> um, what does that <laughs> b-
0: Explain what that means. Explain that.
1: Like, I can get to the place that drug takes me without them sure um it just takes me a lot longer
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um it, it's quick it's a it's a quick pathway it's a quick opening it's it's a push through the threshold rather than than easing into it i guess i would i would say um and and bless my father's heart if he hears this story i love you dad yeah um <laughs> my dad is a mailman driver and he drives around all day listening to the radio. I love He's this. quite successful at winning concert tickets on the radio. Wow. And so when I was about, I don't know, maybe 17, 16, 17, it was my first or second year of college, um, my dad had won tickets on the radio to 10,000 Lakes Festival, which is this big festival that used to happen in Minnesota. Um, and so huge hippie festivals is, is what you would – Think of it in your mind as a young kid, lots of illicit drugs. So me, sixteen, seventeen, call my best girlfriend up, and I'm like, hey, we have tickets to go to Ten Thousand Lakes for the weekend. <laughs> we drive there uh, overnight. Yeah. We park in line to get to be let in like right away, the first car in the campsite when they open up in the morning. We've been up all night, we get to our campsite, we set up our tent, and my girlfriend and I are just gonna go to bed. And my other girlfriend is there as well. She's at a different campsite. She comes running over, and she goes, stick out your tongue. And she doses us.
0: I love this. Oh, my God. That's that's what the excerpt was. That's what the excerpt was. (laughs) Stick out your (laughs) tongue. Stick out your tongue.
1: And so... Needless to say, we never went back to bed that day. <laughs> um, and it was about, oh you know, we had about 45 minutes left of sanity. So we always have this running joke of like, these are the days of our lives. We've got 45 minutes left. That's
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then it kicks in. Um, but that, that experience, it was the first time um, I had ever taken on a hallucinogenic, and I was with my two best girls, and I've never laughed so much in my entire life. Like, there, there's never been more pain from laughter in my stomach and in my face than, than this day. And I will never, ever forget it. Um, but just so many magical moments happened. There were streamers hanging from a tree, and I can remember dancing in the streamers. And, you know, looking back now, I don't know if they even existed, but it's very visual in my mind. Um, Thank God so, for your dad
0: winning tickets. I mean, that's that, that would never have I mean, happened.
1: it's just amazing. No, it's just amazing that it's like my father you know my my parents were were great parents, but obviously you know we don't do drugs and alcohol that was the the rules right, you right. Know, you don't do drugs and alcohol and so for my dad to get us these tickets and to have like the greatest experience on drugs of my whole life because of him, um, we like to chuckle about that
0: how do you but- how do you use i mean i <laughs> like in 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 uh, you know it's funny it's 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 uh i Kind of am envious of people that um, can you know can microdose a lot uh, even in this time um, because it does white it does wash away the cobwebs of COVID um, in some ways it can give you um, uh, I just wonder if if that's if it's something that you is now you know it's not a a, a major part of your um, you know constitution but it's microdosing is a is a tool in your toolbox when you need to um uh, you know just when you're in the right headspace and you're in the right commune of people or maybe you do it uh you know
1: outside in nature yeah i mean i mean you know it's it's like
0: it's it's so sad because you know like uh my god and i didn't even think about you all this crap that's going on in 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 minnesota or in the in in minneapolis Mm -hmm. area and 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 this cat this cat that was tragically killed by this quote-unquote by mistake i mean he had a misdemeanor violation uh felony for for marijuana marijuana. and it's like one joint i just i
2: can't
1: i and i live in colorado now right so it's legal where i live but it is legal in arizona is Minnesota is where I grew up. Yes, it's. I mean, and that's why it's too. It's like, oh, I'm gonna admit this on, on the radio. But I like that you call it clearing out the cobwebs. So since I was 16 years old, I still I still clear out the cobwebs about twice a year when oh, when I feel like I'm really stuck in a rut and um, if I have a block in my creativity or. I don't know, it, it's, like, I never know when the next time's going to be or when I'm going to need it, but normally about twice a year the opportunity arises, it presents itself, and, and it's a clearing out. For my husband, no way. He won't, like, he had a really, we were pretty wild in our youth, and he, he says, you know, he's looked over the edge enough times that he doesn't have to do it anymore. Like, he's good now. Yeah, you know, I I
0: he's in I, his 30s. Thir- yeah, but. I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's 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 smart, because, I, I mean... I'm waiting for an opportunity in my life when I feel that I'm with the right people or I'm, I'm like on a, a place where, you know, I can, I can, cause I think it's, I think it's good, but I think that you have to be like in a place in your, you know, mentally where you're okay staring over the edge for, you know, maybe it's not, you know, your first experience was very positive and buoyant and lovely and you were laughing and and it was just a a great thing i've also had experiences i've had experiences where they've just you know like i'm just like i'm going to the loony bin you know like i i mean i cannot believe my parents you know spent send me to college and i'm i'm losing my mind and that that that's not the place i want to be but i just think that like um
1: it's a sacred medicine and I think it needs To be taken in ritual and it needs To be taken with intention it needs It needs to be taken as Medicine and you receive it as such
0: You know I, I just I want you know Taylor Rose I I just wanted to ask you about um, You know How People can You know not take believe, you know in this time there's a lot of people who we talked about this before they're caught up in their in their reputations or their what they've created as you know their little metro their little niches or whatever and it might include traveling the world to quote unquote teach yoga and you know put up all these pictures about all these exotic locations and all these ceremonies and all this stuff is invested Like you said But it has nothing to do With the sacred The sacred practice Of yoga And you know I, I kind of wanted you To talk to, to just people About how Not to feel self-pity During this time How not to feel victimized By these circumstances And ultimately How to push themselves Out of their comfort zone uh, In order to grow And find peace Because I think Obviously, I mean, uh, I mean. let's just face it. I mean, I, I'm about to do an interview with a drummer uh, from Colorado, Mark Levy, who, I mean, the guy is a professional musician. And he hasn't gone on tour in over mm-hmm. a year. If somebody took the microphone away from me for a year, Taylor Rose, I wouldn't be in very good shape right now. I mean, it would not be a good scene. You know, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know what. And But yet, thankfully, I. But if, you know. If something was taken away from, from somebody this year in the, in this pandemic, uh, God forbid it's their yogic practice on the bandstand or their yoga studio, or they've lost the community. Um, how, what's the best way for cats to not feel grievance, uh, self-loathing and, um, you know, uh, pity for themselves. And actually, like you said, project, continue to project light into a dark world?
1: I'm gonna use words from my teacher's teacher because it's it's guiding me through this these hard times, this challenging time. The first is that in life, we're always going to be met with unanswerable life. But what are we learning through this experience that we couldn't learn any other way? I think that so much you know, especially in the yoga world, we talk about love and light and rainbows and, and, and I don't want to be the toxic positivity person because <laughs> the dark the dark is real. Like right, yeah. We the, the more that we deny the dark aspects of ourselves or of our lives, the stronger holds they take of us. And if we can really sit with, we need a difference in order to create a meaningful life. Meaning, without... Without the dark sky, we would never see the stars at night. It's a difference that makes the difference. And so how can we be in a place of holding the paradox, of holding light and dark? It won't always be this way. You won't always be in the bottom, in the valley, in the low, in the struggle. You will rise up again. But right now, when we are in the bottom, when we are in the dark, when we are in the struggle... What are we learning through this experience that we couldn't learn any other
0: way? In fact, some people would say the greatest place to be is at the bottom of the pit because that's when realism is activated, and I guess you only know that if you've been there. Um, you know, I got to tell you, I, I I hope we can do uh, another another interview, Taylor Rose. I I am out of. I, I've interviewed a lot of spiritual practitioners. A lot of them are struggling right now with um, with the noise, um, and I think, and they're very brilliant and very honest and sincere, uh, like yourself. But you got something going on different, and I I just think it's the fact that um, you've been so hard on yourself uh, based on what society says you should do, and and then you've overcome that by. Being like, screw it! I'm just—I know what feels right, and so many people are not doing that. You are, and I just think it—and that's what I've been doing. And I just feel like, uh, mad props to you, and and uh, and I treasure our connection, and I hope we can uh, we can continue down the path because I feel like you are. I mean, it's a life journey, but you know, you, I'm so yeah, I'm so glad absolutely. you found your purpose. You know, sooner than later, because I think. A lot of suffering from is coming from cats that, um, you know, this pandemic has forced us to recognize. I mean, are you really going to ever take anything for granted again? And also, like, how urgent is is it? How important and urgent it is to constantly create and inspire. I mean, I didn't understand why I was running around, traveling, and going to see music and losing my mind and healing. Number one, I realize now, um, I don't, I didn't, uh, I was in psychotherapy since I was seven or eight years old, but I didn't need it anymore because music was healing. But now that's, it's kind of gone. Um, And, you know, I just think that, that you, you know, just keep staying on your path. And I'm sure that there will be other hurdles, but I mean, you're kind of battle-tested, so, I mean, let's, let's just stay in touch and... and
1: uh, yeah, you know. I was going to say, one more thing's coming up. If, is it okay if I share oh, it? Oh, go ahead, yeah. So, I had a teacher ask me about a year ago, right at the start of the pandemic. We were in the pandemic, what we were going to do, we were all scrambling, and, and they said, do you, wanna, do you want an oil rig in your backyard or do you want to grow an almond tree? And for me, that was how do I create more joy and more beauty in my life? And so I've just been thinking this whole year of what it would be like to plant an almond tree and what it would be like to grow an almond tree. And, and I think that's, that's been my, my, guidance, my guiding principle. Every opportunity that comes my way, if I close my eyes and if it feels exactly like it would feel to grow an almond tree, I'm like, yeah, I'll take it.
2: Wow! But if
1: it feels like an oil rig, I'm like, no thanks. I don't <laughs> want that in my backyard. I'll pass.
0: Bless you, Taylor Rose, um, and uh, let's stay in touch. And um, absolutely, you take Thank it you easy, so man. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Be well. Bless you. Bye. It's always beautiful to talk to somebody who's found their purpose in life and is doing it their own way. in in a fearless fashion. We'll be back with Mark Levy on the other side after this.
2: about